most connected man in Washington, WSB's Jamie Dupree. He's on every day with Herman Cain, 1106 AM every day. Sponsored by Charter Communications on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We are America, one voice, united we stand. Why do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because you know we're going to tell you the truth. Give you the facts because we want you to be better informed and inspired to help make this a better USA. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Kane and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hey, Herman, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I see you made it to Colorado. Okay, what's the time difference between East Coast and two Colorado? Two hours, buddy. We're two hours behind you, and so there are a few people who are here already. And uh, what's I just put it up on Twitter at Jamie Dupree, the Spin Room and Media Filing Center here, where right. it looks like there's about 300 seats for reporters, and then this will be the area. It's a gymnasium uh, that they've converted into a combination of uh, live shot stand-up positions and places for the networks to do, uh, you know. Uh, uh, different uh, things before and after the debate. And then afterwards, some of the candidates will come in here and talk to us uh, along with some of their top officials. It's always interesting, Herman, to see actually after one of these debates which of the actual candidates comes in and speaks to the media. For example, I don't think Marco Rubio and Jeb Bush have showed up in the uh, spin room at either of the uh, first two Republican debates, but both Donald Trump and Ben Carson have. And sometimes it's a factor of you've done well, you want to show up and, uh, and do more interviews. Right. And other times, maybe you don't think it's uh, uh, done. you've done well enough, so you send out one of your top aides. I, always, I have to say, Herman, as a reporter, I always dislike interviewing top aides to uh, people who are running for president. I want to talk to the candidate, not to somebody who's right. going to spin me for sure. Right. Yeah, that was, when I ran four years ago, I always went into the media room whether I was leading or trailing or whatever the case may be, because it was an opportunity to get some more exposure, and I had very good success with it. Frankly, I, I think you could come in afterward and uh, have a more snappy bite, you know, to yeah. offer to reporters that might make the TV instead of what you said during the debate. It might actually help you frame it. I'll tell you, a very good example of how post-event spin is important occurred last week with the Benghazi hearings. When Chairman Gowdy came out and talked to reporters outside the hearing room and was asked, you know, what new came out today? And he said, well, Hillary Clinton didn't really say anything new. And that really sort of hurt his own post-spin of what went on in that hearing. That's why sometimes you gotta, you got to be on message at all times at these events. Oh, yeah, because they can trip you up and trap you up and all that good stuff. Now, so you've got the 10 on the stage, and yep. Trump is still leading nationally, although he's not leading an hour now. Uh, but it's interesting that only he and Carson have double-digit ratings in the polls right now. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is, it, you know, even though uh, there have been some uh, questions about Donald Trump's numbers in the last couple of days, I mean, by far, he and Ben Carson are by far and away 
uh, above everybody else. You go back to sort of the second tier, I would put in there Marco Rubio, Ted Cruz, and Jeb Bush right now. And then you slip down to the third tier of candidates, the other five in the on the main stage after that. Who you, you have to wonder, Herman, in this debate, and then we've got a debate in a little less than two weeks in Milwaukee, if you're somebody like a John Kasich or a Chris Christie or a Rand Paul or Mike Huckabee, you know, what do you do to get more attention, to get yourself out of that? I mean, it, there's only so long, Herman, you can poll at 2 and 3%. You know what I mean? I know I mean, exactly it, it what you like mean. It seems like sooner or later you got to do something. And Governor Kasich yesterday at a little send-off rally that he had outside the state capital of Columbus uh, in his home state, he said something to the uh, effect of, you know, I, I've got to shake things up a little more. I've got to get out there a little more. So we'll see if he does something like that. Now, the people who have tried to take on Donald Trump so far at these events have not exactly fared very well. And so the question is, how do you do it? How do you get that more extra bit of attention? And that's, of course, the $64,000 question that everybody can have a different answer to. And as we watch tonight, you know, think about it. Will Donald Trump mix it up a little more with Ben Carson? I mean, listening to Trump yesterday in his rally in Sioux City, Iowa, he was almost pleading with voters in Iowa, come on, put me back up in first. I don't think he likes being out of the lead in some of the polls. I think it really grates on him. And we'll see uh, whether it has any impact tonight. I don't expect Ben Carson to do anything except what he's been doing. Very low-key, workmanlike approach in these debates. He hasn't really made much news. But I wonder now that you get up to the top whether he gets a little more scrutiny and a little more attention in terms of the questions asked of him. Well, that's usually what happens. Uh, I experienced that, and that is whether the questions uh, cause other candidates to go after him or not, I think that some of them are going to do that because he is in the lead. They're going to go after Trump. They're going to go after, after Carson. And I think that that is a big mistake. But this is what a lot of that handles. Now, it's interesting. We had a clip earlier today where uh, Jeb Bush's campaign, his campaign manager was talking about them going after Marco Rubio. Well, you know, I think that what, what did we just sort of set out? We set out that there's two guys at the top right now, Carson and Trump, and then you get to that next tier, and it is, I believe, Rubio, Cruz, and Bush. And Rubio definitely, I think, presents a real threat to Jeb Bush. Uh, he's shied away from going after Rubio, but Rubio so far has been successful in the first two debates in not really getting into any spats or anything. His one good moment in the last debate, I thought, was when he got into foreign policy and really overshadowed Donald Trump for a little while during that section of the debate. So the question is, for, for Bush, how do you go after? What, what is there for Rubio? Do you take shots at him for not being in the Senate or something like that? I mean, how, anything that Jeb Bush does now, rightly or wrongly, Herman, is going to get looked at with an extra bit of scrutiny by reporters because it'll be seen as him trying to turn things around and to shift the dynamic of his campaign. Speaking of trying to turn things around, that whole budget deal that's in the House that they're supposed to vote on later today uh, is rumored that some of the presidential candidates that are in the Senate are going to filibuster it once it gets to the Senate. Who's going yes. to filibuster it? Well, I, I would bet Rand Paul would filibuster. I bet Ted Cruz would, maybe even Marco Rubio. But I'm not sure that the votes are going to be there. Remember, it's the age-old thing. If you got uh, more than 60, doesn't matter how long somebody talks, you'll be able to get that through. And I think uh, I think that the plan will get through the House today with a majority support from Democrats. I don't know if there'll be a majority of Republicans voting for it in the House. But in the Senate, I would bet maybe every single Democrat might vote for it and uh, a good chunk of the Republicans, and I would think that there would be more than 60 votes, but it would the opportunity would be there for one or more of these candidates to actually go filibuster. But how about this? What if the House passes it today, and they send it right over to the Senate, and the Majority Leader Mitch McConnell files cloture immediately and sets that vote up for Friday, which would, which would be the, the, you know, the proper uh, procedure on that? 
Well, I know Rand Paul's supposed to be, I think, in, in Iowa on Friday. I think Ted Cruz is supposed to be on the road. I know Marco Rubio is supposed to be on the road. So in a sense, he might be daring them, hey, if you want to do something on this, you're going to have to come back to D.C. to do it. So watch that as it plays out over the next couple of days as well. <laughs> you would think that the majority leader would make it convenient for three senators to get back in order to be able to vote on it. If Maybe they like want on to Monday. Vote, listen, if they want to, well, they can vote on it on Monday, but the, the procedural vote on whether or not to filibuster it, that would occur on Friday and then a final vote next week. So watch and see if anybody's schedule changes over the next couple of days in terms of Senators Paul Cruz and Rubio and whether they rush back to D.C. to try to make a last stand. Wow. Now, Paul Ryan announced today he's going to support that budget agreement. Uh, I thought it's sort of interesting that Ryan keeps saying, well, the process on it stinks, to use his term. But this deal is very, very much like one that he put together two years ago in an extended negotiation. The difference was we knew that the negotiations were going on, but just like this one, nobody really knew what was in the final deal until they unveiled it. I think it was in early December of 2013, if I remember correctly. So I understand what Ryan is saying, that this is maybe not the way that he would want to do business, but I do have to sort of say uh, that's what you did two years ago. Well, supposedly, they are not going to do business that way anymore. Yeah, well, this is the way business is done. So uh, I know it, it might not be what people want to hear, but a, a bill of this sort would never, ever get through the House or Senate if you actually did it out in the open with amendments and votes. And people may be pounding on their dashboard right now saying, well, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, you know what? That's uh, over the years of the Congress. Uh, that's the way things get done around there. And I don't really forecast that that's going to change anytime soon. Interesting. Well, according to some of the members of Congress, they feel as if some things are going to change. And if they do not change, man, you're talking about all out war come 2016, just trying to get members reelected to Congress. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Uh, the Tea Party, uh, they, they had that big splash in 2010. They picked up more seats here and there in 2012. But remember last year, they did not do as well as I think many of them had hoped to do. And I really do believe if you're going to have a major change in how the Congress operates and how things are done in the Congress, then the Tea Party is going to have to be more successful in winning elections. They, I mean, right now they've got about 40 people in the House of Representatives. I think really think that they're going to need to uh, push their elbows out and get a lot more than that. Because 40, 40 is enough to make trouble, but 40 is not enough to make everybody do what you want them to do. So I think that's the biggest challenge right now for the Tea Party, you know, Freedom Caucus type guys, is to recruit more people at the local level and find ways to, to pick up the number of people that they have in the Congress. Because, you know, you can have a Ted Cruz and a Mike Lee, but that's only two against an awful lot of other people in the Senate. The candidates, going back to the presidential race that are going to be in the first one-hour debate. Yes. How many of those do you expect to drop out? Uh, I don't expect any of them to drop out. I think that uh, Santorum, Pataki, Lindsey Graham, and Bobby Jindal are all running sort of low-budget operations. I don't mean that in a negative way. That's just the truth. Right. And so I don't think that they are under as much financial pressure as, say, a Jeb Bush you know, or a Scott, as Scott Walker was. So I would think that they could stick around for a while. The same goes, I think, for Rand Paul and for Mike Huckabee, uh, that you know they don't have a gigantic infrastructure, so there's not the big concern about them having to make that big choice. But let's face it, 
when you're getting ones and zeros in the polls, you're not exactly having an impact. And I, I think Rick Santorum really believed, for example, that this year would be much like it was four years ago for him. Now, maybe there'll be some late move, but I certainly haven't seen any seeds of it. I had somebody in Iowa send me an email yesterday that said they'd been to a Santorum event the other day and only a handful of people showed up. And, you know, look, he's been boxed out in many ways by Ted Cruz, by Ben Carson. So uh, your quick answer is, Herman, I expect to see those same four who were in the pre-debate debate. They'll be in the pre-debate in Milwaukee in two weeks' time. Wow. Interesting. We will stay tuned, and uh, I hope that you are, your accommodations are to your liking. I'm a, I'm a bit in, um, <laughs> let's say, well, first off, this is real inside stuff. They didn't give us any kind of audio for the radio guys, so I don't know how we're going to actually record the audio from the debate. We have to fight it out with them right now. Really? And the second thing is my seat space. Imagine the size of a laptop. Yeah, it's about two inches more on each side. I feel like I'm in a low-budget airline in the seating here, so this could be a long day sitting here in the press room. <laughs> Jamie, the sacrifices you yeah, make Yeah, it's really tough. Us, I can hear people saying, oh, you know, The sacrifices yeah, exactly. you make for us. We'll be looking forward to hearing from you tomorrow. All right, Herman, buddy. we'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show.